Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-729-3776. Big doings out of Cleveland today. Deshaun Watson returns to practice. We welcome in Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter. Kimberly in her home away from home. Is it an Airbnb? Is it a, have you rented a condo in Cleveland? What have we decided to do for this year? You know what? Everybody has made that joke for the last couple of years. I think I may have to break down and actually get like a condo here. Like I have to get an apartment. It's just like I've literally been on Deshaun Watson watch since March. I have, I just talking to Brown people. Like I was here practically every month this off season and, of course, today being his first official day back at practice, naturally I am here as well. So i got to talk to a couple of realtors out here in Berea, see what's up. <laughs> <laughs> well, K-Bar, before we get into Deshaun Watson, first of all, we got to know what pair mm-hmm. of J's are you having on, and how do you oh, feel listen, about the J's that listen. Taylor Heineke got? Okay, so first of all, let's start, start with Taylor Heineke. So I covered the Vikings um, commanders game from a couple weeks ago. And pregame, I was about to do my hit, and Taylor walks up to me, and he pointed at my feet. I was wearing the bubblegum ones, and he was like, okay, I like those. And he and I had talked about if they won, I would help him pick out – I would give my vote for whatever purple jays he might get in the Vikings colors. And he was like, if. He was like, "Uh, how about we will? Obviously, the commanders did not win that game. But I love the Taylor Heineke thing. I love jays. Unfortunately, unfortunately, boys, it is freezing here in Cleveland. There was snow in the, in the forecast. There's light flurries right now. I am rocking some cute pair of Uggs and some <laughs> because I am not about that life. I've been here since like 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm still at the facility. I still have more TV to do. Um, and for Buffalo this weekend, if I make it, I actually have to drive from Cleveland to Buffalo tomorrow. I just got my rental car. It's been a whole situation for Kmart. Oh so no Jay. I did bring Jays with me, but I don't think they're going to see the light of day once I hit Buffalo. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> sounds more like an UGG situation more than anything else. Uh, here's the other thing, Kmart, about this. We were discussing this a few minutes ago. DJ Khaled was at the Miami Heat game the other night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those shoes can touch the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, so he, yes. Not only did he put the, his shoes sitting courtside on, the, uh, yep. on a pillow, but it was a silk yep. pillow. I mean, uh, oh, you, yes. you as a Jay connoisseur, how do you feel about yes. that? Okay, as somebody who loves a silk pillowcase at night for her edges, um, <laughs> I felt like it was a bit. <laughs> oh, you're giving away all the secrets today. Wow. You're giving them all the way today. Um, but I thought it was a bit much. My thing was, did he not walk into this into the arena? Did his feet not touch the ground? And someone said to me, what if he brought, what if he wore a different pair of sneakers inside and then changed his shoes courtside and then so they technically never ever touched the floor i feel like as somebody who's you know accused of doing too much i feel like that was too too much um it, it, but it's dj college the man has two thousand pairs of jays so i'm not at all surprised he just dropped like his like exclusive colorway four different sets all that I'm not surprised that his feet weren't touching the floor, but it's a bit much for me. Yeah, 2000 J's, not one song actually sung. That's what I would say about <laughs> oh, DJ Khaled. Oh, wow. 
Oh my goodness! Bang bang! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all I can say is he's he's always out there. Another one, and then there here comes Megan the Stallion. You know, that's it. That. I turn around, he's got a, a line of people coming out to sing. That's all. Anyway, all right. So oh let's, man, Kimberly Martin joining us from Cleveland. Okay, uh, take us inside Cleveland today, and Deshaun Watson returning yeah. to practice. Yeah, so it might not seem like a big deal, right? But think about it. Deshaun Watson's first practice, this is sort of the first step in his reintroduction, reacclimation into this, this team. He's been in the building. He's been allowed to be in meetings. But there, it's different when you are on the practice field, when you are getting reps. He hasn't been in practice or hasn't played since the preseason. Uh, the whole time it's been Jacoby Brissett. So Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, would not go into specifics about how they would split up the reps. But I can tell you, based on people I've talked to, that Deshaun did get first-team reps today. But the plan right now is for it to be uh, somewhat minimal, right? The goal is still to get Jacoby Brissett prepared and ready to face the Bills in this epic snowstorm, right? Um, that's the ultimate goal. So Kevin Stefanski is kind of juggling getting Jacoby ready while also getting Deshaun some reps. And I talked to Jacoby Brissett one-on-one today outside the locker room, and I asked him, is, is it difficult right now trying to split reps, or is the unconventional offseason that you two had having to split reps, does that help? And he said, oh, yeah, it's not difficult at all. He's like, think about it. Right now, you know, the reps that he's going to get, it's going to be things that I've repped 30 to 40 times already this season. So if anything, it's just going to be like a, hey, so Deshaun, he's going to get a chance right now this minute, okay? And it's like, cool. So Jacoby does not expect this to affect his preparation, as he has this whole time. He's understood what the deal is, and now this is just the first step over the next two weeks because Deshaun is able to play December 4th at Houston. So the next two weeks is just about that slow ramp-up. So all the off-season reps, the mental reps that he's got, now he can build upon them. Kmart, Deshaun Watson is a different quarterback from Jacoby Brissett. So what are people in Cleveland saying about getting the supporting cast acclimated to what the offense will look like once Deshaun steps in as the starter? You know, it's it's funny because, like we said, I was here all offseason. So mini camp, training camp, um, I was here and guys talked about, like even Amari Cooper when I talked to him, he's like, you know, it's going to be something special like, like Deshaun, we know the kind of playmaker he is. He's got he you talk about mobile quarterback. Like think about the Deshaun strictly as the player now. Deshaun the player, he has that escapability, he has that mobility. Um, but he has also hasn't played in two years. But aside from the work that he got in the preseason, it wasn't a lot and he didn't look good when he was on the field, right? Mm-hmm. So the expectations are high um for what this offense can be, but I don't. Th- I think if people are expecting Deshaun to just come out, sort of throwing bombs everywhere, I think that's a, that would be expecting a little too much. Given he looked rusty when he first came, when he first played, um, and and he has still hasn't been on a practice field beyond today. Um, the goal is that as he acclimates with his teammates, as he he's gotten the off the field, you know, chemistry going. It's the cadence of his voice, and the you know. It's, it's the in the huddle, in, in that moment on the field. Uh, but he's got the requisite skill set. We know he's a playmaker. Uh, I think it just is going to take a little bit of time for it to gel. And unfortunately for the Browns, they're three and six. They don't have a lot of time. And Jacoby said, listen, we're two and one in the division. So, hey, like, go a little easy. I'm like, I hear you. So they are confident. 
but they've got the Bills coming up on the road. We assume it's still in Buffalo, and then the Bucks come to them the following week. So, and then they've got you know everybody in the division after that. So it'll be an interesting next month for for the Cleveland Browns. Talking to Kimberly A. Martin, ESPN NFL reporter in Cleveland. This is Canty and Carlin and Kmart. Where are we on the job security of Kevin Stefanski? Because people are putting a question mark around whether or not this Cleveland job is going to be open at the end of this season, depending on how the rest of the way goes. So where exactly are we? What are people saying about Stefanski and potentially being on a hot seat? Yeah, I would say it's not hot right now, but it's it's like the seats in my rental car right now. It's a little warm. It's similar. Um, because <laughs> it's a little warm. Because <clears throat> here's what Kevin Stefanski can say. Okay, you guys went out, traded for one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, we still assume, right? Except I didn't have him for 11 weeks. Um, so this year, the Deshaun trade wasn't – I knew when it was made, it wasn't about 2022 because the expectation was that he was going to miss at least six to eight games off the rip. Like, that's what the expectation was from jump. So you kind of felt like, okay, 2022, if Jacoby Brissett and the offense can't figure it out and the defense can't be consistent, this, this year might be disappointing. And so far it has been. Um, so Kevin Stefanski can point to that. What is troubling about this team is that, and I talked to Jacoby about this today, like sometimes the offense starts off strong, they start off hot, Nick Chubb run over people, Jacoby's hitting guys, and then the defense falters. Other games, the defense starts off strong, the offense can't, go it, can't get going. So Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, there have been a lot of questions about the coaches, period. Um, I, I, don't think, I don't know right now if Stefanski is definitely on the hot seat. I don't think that's the case. But the next month, when Deshaun is finally on the field, Deshaun and Amari and that chemistry, if we don't see improvement from this offense, then I think the rumbles get a little louder. Kimberly, Godspeed on this trip. This is... <laughs> Listen, yeah. please, thoughts and prayers, guys. Thoughts and prayers uh, <laughs> for the three-hour drive uh, in Lake Effect Snow and that I get there and cover this game and that it doesn't get moved. From Buffalo once I arrive in Buffalo. Let's Those are the three <laughs> worst words in the English language. Lake effects snow. They are. Exactly. Uh, Kimberly, exactly. travel safe. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Kimberly Martin, ESPN NFL reporter. I, w- I have made that trip. I would not want to make that trip in the snow. It is, it is amazing what can happen in upstate New York when it comes to that lake, uh, when it comes to Lake Ontario. It is nuts. Absolutely nuts. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, were presented by Progressive Insurance. Something was said this morning that needs to be addressed. Not by Canty. He didn't betray us like last week. Wow. You, admit it. You betrayed us last week. You did. Just take us to break. <laughs> but we will address what was said and how absurd it was. My feelings are hurt. Get up, get down. Next, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Another one. <laughs> Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So we have uh, Bill's Browns on Sunday. They're expecting as much as three to six feet of snow. As if the Bills needed anything else to deal with. Snow! We've got ourselves a classic nor'easter meeting a classic sou'wester. That's how much snow they're expecting up in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. This is going to be an ugly football game. Overnight, expect rain, turn into freezing rain, turn into sleet, turn into snow, and then melting in the summer. What's the worst snow you've ever been in? Worst snow I've ever been in. It had to be in New York City. Somewhere around 2010, mm-hmm. early 2011, I think there was a huge snowstorm. Huge snowstorm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we couldn't move. We couldn't go anywhere for three or four days. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like It's like a, a 20 inches of snow shut down the city, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I went to college in upstate New York, at, uh, just a little south of Lake Ontario. Mm-hmm. It snowed every day from Halloween all the way through the middle of March, and it ended with a blizzard. That blizzard, so from Halloween, yeah, whether it was just to the a, end of March for a few flurries or six inches every day, every day, mm. every day, and it ended with a blizzard. Yeah, it's all nice when it's falling down until you got to shovel it. Oh my God, that's the worst. Yeah, we could. It was so high we couldn't get out of our dorms. You couldn't get out of your dorms. Could not get out of the dorm. The, so the, what the, the hell did you do for food? It, it took like, I would say six or seven hours. They did an amazing job of clearing paths and digging out the dorms. Okay. So it wasn't so that So it wasn't long. like you were stuck for a day? No. Okay, all right. No. No, no, no. Okay, I was talking about being stuck for a couple of days. No, but I tell you what. Not being able to go anywhere. I, I was in San Diego a few weeks ago, and I'm just like, what What the hell are we doing here? Hmm. What, what am I doing in the Northeast? It's Cantia yeah. Carlin on ESPN <laughs> Radio. Those out to Cali will do that to you. Yeah, I'm sitting outside having breakfast, and I'm thinking, you know, I could probably bring one of those units with me here, do the show from right there here. There you go. <laughs> I would not be mad at you, partner. Uh, Canty, as you do it, as you do every Wednesday, you do get up. Yes. And that means there's a little time for some get up, get down. It's get up in the morning. Good morning. It is time to get up. But in the afternoon, we get down. Get down on it. It's time for get up, get down. Get down on it. That's right. And it usually has something to do with something that was said on get up this morning. Yes. And it has something to do with that. And that is our friend Dominique Foxworth, ESPN NFL analyst, who you were getting into it with pretty good, and frankly, I I was blown away by what he was saying, and not so much in a good it's way. It's like you're getting invaded by aliens, and you call Superman. Oh, he boy. runs the aliens off, but then you complain because he crushed a few buildings. <laughs> Relax. This man yes. is incredible. Right. He's incredible. Right. And complaining about these little interceptions every now and then, yes, it's going to cost you a game. Every team, every player has weaknesses. It drives me crazy when I hear it about Lamar Jackson, where everyone wants to focus on, like, oh, he's not hyper-accurate. All right, he can't be Drew, Drew Brees, but Drew Brees can't run a 60-yard touchdown. The same thing is true for Josh Allen. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We cannot compare five red zone interceptions this year to the other day to 
people criticizing Lamar Jackson uh, for what happened, you know, where he wasn't throwing it as accurately as people would like. First of Mm. all, Lamar Jackson can throw the damn football. Yes. And secondly, to say that as he did repeatedly this morning, that was only a sample. Yes. That these interceptions were no big deal and a blip on the Josh Allen radar screen was beyond absurd. I understand he played defensive back, Canty. That was something I could not believe was coming out of the television set and then had the audacity to say, it's not important to stop the run. It's not important to stop the run. Yeah, he was saying that about the Philadelphia Eagles and and how they let the commanders rush the ball for 50 times. But here's the problem, Carlin. He was saying that turnovers were the only reason that the Eagles lost that game, but with Josh Allen, turnovers don't matter. Right! That's the part I did not understand. But with Josh, he's going to have to figure this out, Carlin, if this team is going to compete at a championship level. Now, to Nick's credit, he did point out that Matt Stafford led the league in interceptions last year, and his team still won the Super Bowl. Okay? That is fair to point out. I I would also point out, that his team was fourth in stopping the run last year. Yeah, and the (laughs) Los Angeles Rams were 17th in giveaways last year. You know where the Buffalo Bills are? Dead last. Mm -hmm. 32 out of 32. You know how many turnovers your boy Josh Allen has through nine games? 13. Carlin, and nine of the 13 turnovers came when Josh Allen's team has a lead. Five of those turnovers were in the red zone. That's completely unacceptable. Over the last two years, Carlin, in one-score games, Josh Allen has a 2-8 and eight record. He's got 18 touchdowns to 15 turnovers. I'd like to think that record would be a little bit better in one-score games if he didn't have the 15 turnovers. I, look, I'm with Dominique on the idea that the biggest reason they lost the game the other night was turnovers. And I do think that was an aberration for the Philadelphia Eagles. But we can't say turnovers then don't matter about Josh exactly. Allen. That's my point. Exactly. Uh, I love Josh Allen. I picked him first in our draft uh, right behind you uh, taking Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Which I think you're crazy, by the way. Well, I'm sorry. I think you're crazy. He's got to be a lot better than that. He's got to be a lot better than that. And for the, it's a very real concern with where the Bills are right now. Carlin, he's on pace for 24 turnovers this season. 24. 24 turnovers? How are you going to win when your quarterback turns it over 24 times, your team can't run the ball outside of quarterback design runs, and your defense can't stop the run? Here's what I'm How hoping are you for. supposed to win a championship? Here's what I'm hoping for. The other day, it was so egregious that it is the kick in the pants that he needed that it is the smack upside the head that he needed to realize, hey, I have got to do a better job of throwing the football away. But, Carlin, this is who they are, though. They've had multiple turnovers on offense in five of the last six games. They've turned the ball over eight straight games. Excuse me, seven straight games. This is who they are. Look, we're going to have to – this is a large enough sample size to say, okay, this is a part of this team's DNA. They turn the ball over. Mm -hmm. This is a part of this team's DNA. They can't stop the run. Like, this is who the Buffalo Bills are. On the so stop, we, we're I, saying that they've got to be better, and Josh Allen has got to be better taking care of the football. Carlin, I don't know that they can be. Would you agree that this particular instance of turning the football over was the most egregious of what we've seen from them this year? Mm. It's up there. Here's my point, and maybe it's Pollyanna. Hmm. 
I do think that this was a week where Josh Allen will have to really look himself in the mirror and figure this out. I do think I it's one of those weeks. But in other words, in other words, it's hitting rock bottom. You know, it's one of those times where you're hitting rock bottom. Can can they do enough in terms of changing the turnover pattern in order to get this thing turned around and win the division? Yes. They can do it. Yes. Okay. I still think they win the division. All right. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Little NBA. Let's get to it. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app on this hump day, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. We welcome in ESPN analyst Tim Legler, who joins us right now. Tim, it's Chris. And Chris, I just want to start here. We're through almost 20% of the season. What story or stories has caught your attention the most so far? Well, I think clearly Utah has to be at the top of the list. Uh, you know, you, you're talking about an organization that gave up the face of the franchise, another guy that's a multiple-time defensive player of the year and a, and a perennial all-star, um, two other starters that you've had over the last several years. And you, it looked like you were basically going into a mode where you were going to be a bottom feeder and, you know, play yourself into, you know, a high, high position in the draft lottery. So for them to come out and, and have them play the way that they are with a 34-year-old head coach, by the way, make a coaching change as well, um, for me that's been the story because I, I think when I watch their style of play, it's more than just, okay, caught some people by surprise, got out of the gate kind of quick. They had six of the first seven wins, I think, were against playoff teams from a year ago. So these are quality wins they were getting. And also I think the emergence along the way of Laurie Markinen who right before our eyes is turning into a star scorer in this league because he's added a lot. He, you know, he was just basically a spot-up three-point shooter when, when he went to Chicago, and I think they gave up on him too quick, and people started to label him as a bust, as a lottery pick that didn't live up to it. And he's still so young, and it just took a change of scenery. And, and really, I think a coach maybe looking at him differently has really gotten the most out of him. So you're looking at a guy now that I think can be an all-star going forward. And I wouldn't have said that a year ago. So I think Utah collectively, what they have done when you look at what they changed over and the amount of success they had in recent years in making that decision, that's got to be the top of the list for the, for the best story in the league so far. Tim, last night Charles Barkley said John Morant needs to figure out how to make his teammates better in order to take that next step as a player. Do you see it the same way? What do you make of those comments? 
Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with Charles in this regard. I think John Morant does make his teammates better, and it doesn't always necessarily mean facilitating, creating easy shots for people. I think sometimes just the sheer presence that you have and the pressure that you put on defenses with your speed and athletic ability creates opportunities for guys, even if it's not a direct assist. So I think he does create opportunities. I think where Charles is probably right, and this is where Memphis could run into trouble, the fact that he's a point guard, he's slightly built, you know, he plays the way he plays with that attacking style, that he has to do everything late and takes, you know, 75% of their shots in important moments in the last six minutes of the game. I think that's where they can come, become predictable and you can start to load up on him. And I, and I think his mentality is so competitive, he's going to try to score anyway, regardless if he sees a loaded paint or he sees rim protection back there. You know, and that's where he sort of look is like a bull staring at a red cape. I mean, he's just going to keep going and charging because he believes in himself and he's betting on himself. So I think if I have any agreement with Charles in that statement, it would be last six minutes of games. Are they a one-dimensional team where John Moran has to be spectacular and finish over two, three guys in a crowded paint in order to win games? If that's the case, that's not a formula for for a championship. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, joining Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Tim, we look back at what has transpired in Brooklyn over the last few years. Has this been just a complete waste of time? Well, it's just an utter failure. There's no other word for it. It's a disaster. I mean, really, (laughs) when you look at expectations of teams that have been put together um, in the 22 years I've been covering the league as an analyst, uh, I don't know there has been a team that fell short, you know, shorter of their expectations or their ceiling than this group. You know, from the very beginning, they had issues. It looked like when you put Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving together initially, I said it then, and, I, and I'll stand by this, those three guys, when they were put together, that's the greatest offensive trio in the history of this league in terms of just dominating individual matchups and beating you from every platform. They can beat you as an ISO player. They can beat you as a finisher at the rim. They all get to the line. They're good mid-range players. They can beat you deep. They can beat you with their passing. There's just, I just said, forget it. There's no, the league has no chance. You can't guard all of that um, on a given night, but obviously all kinds of things happen. Injuries, malcontent, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, just year after year, something coming up with him where he's not on the court. Ben Simmons is a complete shell of who he used to be. Um, and, you know, a, a rotating cast of characters around their stars. Now a head coaching change as well. So you look at all of that, it's no other word for it. Failure. That's the absolute word that comes to mind because I just think no team, no team was a bigger disappointment relative to expectations than, than the Brooklyn Nets over the last three years. Doubleheader tonight on ESPN. We've got the Celtics and the Hawks, followed by the Warriors and the Nuggets. NBA countdown begins at 7 p.m. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it, guys. Waste of time doesn't even begin to cover it. Carlin, they allow the Sacramento Kings to score 80 points in one half of basketball. 80. And that's after allowing them to score 73 points in the first half. (laughs) You're going to want to hear what what KD had to say about that last night and who he's pointing the finger at now. That's on the way. Plus, whose stock is up, whose stock is down. Second half of the year. That's right. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. 
your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We're going to get to during three and out. There was yeah. a man in China who ran a marathon while chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and he's, God and he's not like 20. He's 55 years old. <laughs> And Canty said, he's talking about himself, and this is a professional athlete, mind you, and he's talking about himself. He said, I don't know if I could run a 5K for $10 million, and a 5K is 3.1 something miles. Yeah, something like that. I have walked a 5K. And, and it took you, what, about an hour About to do an it? hour. Okay. Yeah. So it was so, you know, I mean, 20 minutes a mile. Okay, so what if they put a time limit on it? Okay, doing a 5K mm-hmm. in 30 minutes or less. And you get paid ten million dollars to do it. You would. See, I don't know that I could do it, Carlin. You I could would try it. to do it. You could do it. Well, I'm I'm not built for speed, Carlin. I'm three hundred and forty pounds. Right, but you don't have to be built for speed. You, you, you it, you're not asking to run a six minute mile. So you got to run a little bit better than you a ten, run mi- a ten, ten minute, minute mile. mile. A little bit better than a ten minute mile pace, and that would be fine for the first mile. I got two more miles after that. Yes. Yeah. Listen. I would fire up the competitive spirit. <laughs> I really, You'd I'd like to think. You stretch. <laughs> I, I, ab- oh, I would stretch like you haven't seen before. Absolutely. I, I would stretch not stretch things not knowing I could stretch. But I'll make it happen, Captain. And I might keel over. I'm gonna keel over with some money, and I'll be able to pay for the ambulance. <laughs> Have the ambulance at the finish line, please. Yes, I need somebody oh, to uh, line me. it up. Yep, hand me the cash. Okay, here, give me the oxygen. Oh my God! Speaking of reviving, can anybody revive the Brooklyn Nets season? No, hmm. no, no, no. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app. I am really blown away by just how bad it has been for the Nets to watch. And and Evan, if you could give me the Kevin Durant quote once again that we had just a moment ago about the starting lineup last night. The Nets go out and, and lose last night to the Sacramento Kings. And it was just it was embarrassing what happened in this game. You know what the final score of this game was the Nets gave up a hundred and fifty three points to the Sacramento Kings. Kevin Durant last night, quote, look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there? Hang on a second, KD. Can I raise my hand and ask a question? Please. Okay, so maybe you're not an offensive juggernaut, but you did score 121 points in the game. Mm-hmm. Seems to me that offense wasn't a problem. It was defense. Yeah. So why, why, why can't that group of guys be better defensively, be tied together where you don't allow the Kings to score 73 points in the first half and 80 points in the second half? Correct me if I'm wrong on a couple of things here. Number one, uh, Royce O'Neal. Hell of a defender. 
3 and D. Yeah. Accurate? That's what he's known for. Yep. Nick Claxton, hell of a rim protector. Yeah. Kevin Durant, supposed to be a really good two-way player. Yep. Joe Harris, good shooter. Yeah. Didn't shoot it well last Ed, night. Edmund Sumner, I'm not familiar with his work, but, you know, I assume that he's out there. He's capable of playing defense. Nick Claxton was a minus 30. Royce O'Neal was a minus 40. KD was a minus 31. Carlin, to me, that's not a talent issue. That's a motivator cup yeah. issue. It has nothing to do with those other guys <laughs> on the floor. It has to do with you looking at those other guys on the floor and saying, well, we're losing tonight. Because yeah. that's exactly what he just told you. Yeah. I looked at these other guys and said, we're done. Or I was on the West Coast and I was more interested in the Hollywood scene a couple nights before playing against the Los Angeles Lakers than I am actually trying to win basketball games without Kyrie. Did he even fly there's, in there's, from L.A. to Sacramento for the for the shoot-around? Probably not. <laughs> probably got excused for that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. What are we, what are we but, talking but, about? But, but here's the thing. Disparaging your teammates is the problem that I have in all of this. Like, he's saying he meant no disrespect, but when anybody leads with, I mean no disrespect. They mean disrespect. They're about to shade the hell out of yeah. you. Yeah. And that's exactly what it's happened. It's all disrespect. So, I mean, I'm just waiting, counting down the moments until Kevin Durant reignites the whole trade demand conversation. Because yeah. it's well, coming. Here's, it's coming, Carlin. Here's the other part of that comment that he made. It's pushing to get Kyrie back on the floor. That's what it. That's what it's doing. Because he's getting itchy. People are getting itchy about Kyrie getting back now because of what the Nets have asked him to do. I don't know well, what's on that list. Well, when Kyrie was out there, they weren't very good. Though. No. They got Steve Nash fired. And, and when Kyrie was out there, he wasn't. KD was not playing nearly as well. Yeah. And last night aside, he wasn't playing as well. We both agree. He has been much better without him than with him. Yeah, and they got the little bump once they fired Steve Nash and Jock Vaughn stepped in. They won four out of five games. But now it's back-to-back losses, and this team is back to being atrocious on the defensive side of the court. And that's the thing that they've got to clean up, Carlin. Like, they've got to figure out how to be better defensively in order for this team to have any chance at being able to make the postseason. Now, I think it's a long shot because we talked about how combustible it was coming into this year. But, Carlin, defensively, they're awful. They are awful. They, they allowed the Kings to shoot 60% from the floor and 50% from three, and the Kings took 43s. Think about that. I mean, honestly, and the, and, and the starting lineup for the Kings, you know, Sabonis is 91 years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, who I like a lot, but he's a kid, and De'Aaron Fox, who's an excellent scorer, they put up 150 points. 150 points. Terrence Davis put up 31 off the bench. I mean, Canty, he's Carlin. averaging eight points a game. Carlin, but here's the thing. If they weren't capable of it, I wouldn't be as frustrated. But in that streak that I told you where they won four or five games, they didn't let one opponent score over 100 points. Not one. So we know they can do it. They're just not doing it. That's a choice. That's the biggest problem with them. The leader on the team not setting the tone.